okay. This is your friend and pal, Dane Alves. Another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. All right, let's get through the spiel. Um, we got an episode uh, trying to take y'all's minds and even our minds off of what's happening right now out in the world. Uh, I don't think anyone's been living under a rock, unless you're Patrick. Hey, SpongeBob! Um, to know about what's going on. But we're going to have a fun episode. We're going to talk a lot about stuff that this... The coronavirus itself has to deal with, and, uh, you know, talk a lot about wrestling involved with that, but uh, joining me is my pal, my good friend, the one, the only, Brother Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Uh, definitely a crazy day. Uh, in, as we get into the news, it's, uh, it's affecting multiple of our podcasts, it seemed like. Uh, so I'm interested to get to talking about this. Uh, how's your week been, man? You been doing good? I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's been kind of friggin' weird. Uh, you know, uh, it's normal work week, and then kind of within the last two days, it's uh, changed uh, a good bit. But as good as it can be, Chris, you know? Um, but I'm sure you're the same way. Everyone, I think all of us are just trying to, like, you know, go on with our day and, and do our thing, and we're just waiting on instructions, which I think is good, and, uh, you know. I would actually recommend, if anyone wants to find out a good bit about the details of everything, um, you know, I don't usually promote other stuff that's outside of wrestling or other people's podcasts, but Joe Rogan had on a specialist um, actually talking about this. I forgot what his name was, but you'll easily be able to find it. And uh, he's someone that's actually, you know, a doctor and a scientist. Within that, he's actually worked on other um, big things like SARS and, uh, and other stuff, has books. He just gives you an honest view. So to, 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 to put yourself at ease and also just to give you some research and understanding, I, maybe check that out. Not all the stuff that he says is positive. I mean, he's just very honest. But I think all of us kind of know uh, at least what, what's going on with this whole entire virus. Obviously, it affects older people. I think it's 55-plus um, with people like me and Chris. Uh, more in the middle terms, uh, we can get a pretty bad cold followed by a flu and pneumonia. And children are more harbingers for it and spread it, but don't really get the symptoms themselves. So it's treatable. But what I am, the reason why I'm going through this is, you know, to give awareness, obviously, but also because this, this, the trickle effect, the thing that you got to worry about something like this is what it does to everything else. You know, what's going to happen if me and Chris get sent home from work, for instance? You know, what's going to happen? And I'm not trying to cause any nervousness. Don't go out and buy a bunch of fucking toilet paper. This is just, you know, realism. But even when it comes to realms of entertainment, what happens when WWE 
can't go out, you know, and, and have an audience, uh, technically. And what's going to happen with WrestleMania? We know the NHL has suspended their season, or postponing it, along with the NBA. We know that major soccer games that worldwide are viewed, you know, maybe a little more outside the U.S., are, are canceled. Music festivals everywhere, bands are canceling. I mean, this for good reason. This is actually a smart aspect of it is to, you know, try to limit interaction because it's an airborne virus. But, you know, I'm not going to act like I, I'm a specialist, but where it comes back to wrestling is, is what we're about to talk about. But, Chris, uh, anything you want to bounce off of that before we kind of go into that? Yeah, I mean, it's completely nuts. And I will say that, you know, something I didn't take very seriously, uh, let's say a week ago, and, and how we've seen how things have escalated just over that short amount of time. Like last week, I was at a hockey game with 2,000, 3,000 people, didn't think anything of it. I was just like, well, I'm washing my hands, I'll be clean, whatever. Um, but you really think about how contagious this thing is, and you see how it's affected other countries, like Italy, for instance. Um, and, and just how dangerous it can be, maybe not specifically to the younger crowd from what we've been hearing from the CDC, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I don't also want, don't want, if I catch it, I don't want to spread it to someone that, that might die. That would make me feel kind of like garbage. So um, I, I think that, you know, when you look around the world and you look at these different friend, like sports, uh, I don't want to say franchises because it's not individual to the team, but different leagues, so to speak, like the the, the NBA, the MLS, um, the NHL earlier today, making this judgment call. It's to protect, you know, the fans more so than the players in a lot of sense, because uh, not only the fans, but the people who work at the arenas, the downside is really, you know, the people that work in the arenas in some instances are, you know, part-timers or that's their only way of income and now they're going to lose out on those hours um which sucks and is, is shitty so that's it's a double-edged sword it's obviously going to affect everyone financially if you look at like i think they're making a bid to put 1.5 trillion dollars into the stock market to kind of adjust for this weird scenario that i don't think that we've seen in, in a very long time at least not to this extent um but it really started setting home you know obviously with the nba and uh NHL and the things like that, where you say, okay, well, these people are really taking this canceling event seriously. Um, even something like NASCAR, uh, which is in Atlanta, followed by Raw this week, NASCAR's completely shut down fans coming to the race. So there's no, they're going to run the race, but it's only going to be like the race officials, the pit crew, and the drivers. So kind of just contained as much as possible. Um, which is a huge event, you know, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Most of the time people go, they go for all three days. They, everyone's camping around each other. And I thought about this earlier. I was like, I don't know if I want to be in a campground with a bunch of people drinking and not really thinking about what they're doing or how things are getting passed around. Um, That's how you get pregnant. So probably, yeah, yeah. Well, it's how you get pregnant and sick at the same time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, all jokes aside, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. And like I said, like a week ago, I wasn't thinking about it the same way that I am now. And I think it's settled in for a lot of other people who are probably a little like-minded like me, where it's like, oh, I'll just do whatever and maybe I'll be fine. It's kind of that reckless abandoned mindset. Um, but from like the standpoint of wrestling or any other professional sport, 
you do have to think about your fan base and who you're affecting. And, you know, it's, you know, if you're, if you're over 50, you're more at risk to have serious complications, especially if you've had any other health problems and WWE's number one watched watching market. Like if you look at ratings every week is people over 50. So hopefully they'll look at that a little bit. Um, it's completely crazy, man. And, and the more and more we see and hear about it, obviously I'm no expert on this. I'm just going off, you know, what I've heard, what I've seen and, and, and kind of what's happening all around us. Like you said, with concerts, like I have shaky knees coming up in May. That's probably going to get canceled. Those are things like, and then like I was planning on going to see misfits and blitz kid in April, but that's something that's probably going to get canceled or not, uh, not, you know, not happen. So um, just, just all things to think about. It does affect your life. But I would say, you know, in these situations, try to be positive because the idea is that even if you did get sick and and you were fine, it's not really about you. It's about everyone. So just try to be a little selfless um, as you go through this. Yeah, it sucks. But, you know, just keep in mind that it's even if you were to get sick and survive, it's it's who else you passed it to um, that might not be as lucky. So just uh, be cognitive of some of your reactions online to some of these things. Uh, and, you know, as, as I've said many times on the show, just try to be a nice person. It goes a long way. Yeah. And I also get kind of the flip side of making light of it. Just don't be a dick, I think, is the biggest thing when it comes to that. Just, you know, choose uh, your words wisely. And, um, yeah, I, 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 it's weird, man. I, I think what hit me the most uh, was – not today, but yesterday, it was like South by Southwest canceled, uh, CinemaCon canceled, Cannes Film Festival canceled, Coachella postponed, and then NBA, and then we found out that tragic news about Tom Hanks and his wife kind of being stranded in Australia doing stuff down there, um, contracting the virus and stuff like that. That's when, and also the Joe Rogan podcast I listened to the same day, that's when it kind of really started hitting. But I will say this to anyone, um, when it comes to people, especially elderly, you know, if you have a grandmother, if, if you're around her, mine's in Massachusetts, but I'm sure my cousins are going to be helping her out, it, it just, just realize that they're the most, the easiest to contract this, I would say. And uh, there was a story that someone was telling on one of the podcasts I listened to about he went to a grocery store. And there was an elderly couple that was kind of held up in their car, and they kind of looked concerned. They, they were they were kind of worried and stuff like that. And you know, he kind of went over to the door of the, the car window and asked them what was up, and they were scared to go in the grocery store. So I'm not saying. And obviously, he went and you know got them to put a list and gave them a hundred bucks, and he went in and got the groceries for them. I'm just saying, try to be kind to people. No, don't look for people in a grocery store parking lot to see if they need help or anything, but. Let's uh let's be there for each other, not freak out, and buy so many toilet paper that people can't have toilet paper. And I don't know, people are going crazy. They weren't making milk sandwiches this time, Chris, but they were going crazy with their toilet paper <laughs> and um and fucking antibacterial and Lysol. We should have, for the crash in the stock market, in all actuality, me and you should have probably invested in Purell and Lysol and maybe Charmin's right before all this shit started happening. Well, I like I, I jokingly when we, originally to bring it back to wrestling a little bit earlier today. I was talking about it. I was like, unless the the entire city shuts this thing down, 
which is what we were talking about earlier, now would be the time to invest in WWE stocks because there's going to be nothing else to watch if you're into any kind of sports. And if Vince is able to pull this off, I mean, this might be like the biggest mania like in a long in time. I could, see WWE, I could see WWE stock actually going up uh, in a crazy way, especially as low as it is right now, uh, go, you know, headed into mania. Um, so I just kind of jokingly made that. And then uh, like, you know, two or three hours later, me and you were talking about it. And then we start hearing, I guess, the story that we're probably about to get into where uh, Vince is having sit down meetings with the governor of Florida about what Jesus. they're going to do for Mania. Um, and as of right now, just to bring it local to us, Raw is not canceled on Monday at Phillips Arena. So we'll see what happens nope. there. They they moved they moved SmackDown, but, uh, you know, no, the weekly actually, episodic thing. Of, there was an update from WWE. They didn't move SmackDown. They're saying, at least as of right now, unless the arena tells them not to, they're going to still go on with the show. Yeah, and I think I've, the the backup plan I heard is that they're just going to film it in the performance center if it if for some reason they can't perform at the arena. Yeah, and I think part of that is that the streak of the live weekly op- episodic Raw thing, like you're going to see Raw no matter what. I they're not going to give that up, regardless. I, I don't think um, unless something crazy happens. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a weird scenario between Vince and and what's happening in Tampa and. And we kind of were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but you, you do have to think about the fact that there's these cities are going to be losing massive amounts of revenue when things like WrestleMania or, or, you know, E3, for instance, that got canceled. Yeah. These big events that people fly from all over to go to, that's lost revenue for your entire city, not just the event itself, but, you know, food, hotels, uh, bars, any place these people would be going. Uh, obviously, it, it's it's going to affect things quite a bit. And and like I said, even locally here with the NCAA completely canceling the final four, um, that's just lost revenue for the city. So it plays into so many different things, but uh, how did you feel about the whole Vince thing? And, uh, and I guess since we're in it, what do you think WWE is going to do? I don't know, man. Like I said, like I was kind of joking to you, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince, like, cut a promo about America similar to the one he did right after 9-11. Like, I'm being legit, like, really told the governor how he feels about how America keeps on going. You know, just brings out that voice and does his thing to try to save this because I know Vince, it doesn't matter if they're saying that this is, this will probably be, I mean, I don't know, arguably, I guess, the lowest attendance, even if they have it. I, I don't know how the hell they're going to pack an arena. I think a lot of people will stay home. Access, they already found out that there has been one um, case of the coronavirus within there or something like that. I was reading the details of. Um, I actually have that right in front of me. Yeah, so, oh, it, no, no, it reportedly was tested positive for the coronavirus. So that's that's good within the fucking place. So the convention, well, that shut down. All the indie ones are already shutting down around it, uh, you know, for that weekend. Dave Metzler was talking about it, like they're going to lose massive revenue. So even Mania goes on, and they do that, it's going to have a low attendance. It's, I, I don't understand. I mean, unless people say screw it and just go out to it, but I would just feel like, you know, even though I like the card, I don't think it's really worth it at this point for, for spreading, you know, and especially in Florida. Think about the people and the population, uh, you know, towards 
the middle to tail end, including my parents, you know, that are, you know, 55 plus, basically. I don't know if a gathering of people throughout the whole entire friggin' world is a good idea. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, I think Vince, he's he's like he's he's gonna have SmackDown. He, you know, that's that, apparently that's what they're saying. They they turned down that that uh, rumor or at least the official the first report. Uh, they're going on with Raw for three sixteen day. Um, you know, compared to AEW, who they're already moving the Rochester, the Rochester New York show or postponing that. Um, and apparently Tony Khan, I think it was on Wrestling Inc. when I was listening this morning when they were covering um, AEW and NXT last night. Tony's allowing his his uh, his fellow, you know, obviously employees and stuff like that to make decisions based on what they think they need to make. Like he's obviously if things get really bad, he'll make that decision. But if they don't feel comfortable, I mean, you're going to open arenas. And I was just at an AEW show just a couple weeks ago with just a ridiculous amount of people. It's uh, it's an airborne virus, so it's like you know, it's 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 absolutely just mind-boggling, and it's it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, if I were them, I I would postpone it. I I think I told you. I mean, I think creatively, and this this might be, I guess, trying to make a positive out of out of a negative. Creatively, I think it might be smart for them to just take a pause and come back in two months, and maybe like see what happens, you know, while this. Uh, takes its course, um, and then plan from there, you know, maybe really work on the creativity and then bring it back. I could see them doing that. I could see AEW, but I feel like, to me, WWE is going to hold off as long as they can. And if the governor, even if the, the mayor of Tampa is, is, is uh, you know, not too favorable, I'm sure he wants to do it for the revenue. If the governor of Florida is saying that he thinks it's a bad idea and he's saying, you know, festivals of so many people and this is WrestleMania, which will have probably the biggest attendance in the state of that month, you know, that's going to be included. So I don't – it's up to them. But if I were them, I mean, I wouldn't have it at the Performance Center. Would you? I mean, I, to me, it's the same as the NHL and the NBA. You go the route of just postponing it because you control your own schedule. You have everyone under contract. Uh, that the the part that's going to suck is for the fans trying to rebook their flights and rebook their hotels. And hopefully these airlines and, and hotels are being a little lenient because of the situation. I'm obviously I haven't looked into any travel or anything um, personally. So I haven't dealt with that side of things, but that's, you know, you have WrestleMania is it's not just the people of Tampa. It's going to be everyone flying in from everywhere. They always tout how many, uh, different countries they have and how many people came from the UK to watch and um, all of those different things. And right now just air travel is uh, like, we're restricting people from the UK and, and from China and from, you know, many different places. Um, it's one of those moves and it's, it's also a publicity thing for WWE. I think the right thing to do is to go ahead and hit the pause button on mania. And, and like you said, creatively, it's not going to hurt you to flesh these storylines out a little bit more. Um, I mean, we saw, we've seen it work with AEW. They do four pay-per-views a year and their storytelling has been really good in getting you invested in those feuds. There's ways to make that work. I don't think it's a bad idea to have Paul Heyman be able to focus more time on, you know, Lesnar's match and edge and Orton. I think there's some cool stuff that can still be done there. Um, 
But it, to me, it's also a bad publicity move if you're the only company that's going the opposite direction of every other. I mean, I know it's not wrestling, but even like you said, w- with these concert events and stuff, if you're the only place <laughs> in town that's like, no, nah, we're going to do this anyways. Um, and then like a bunch of people get sick. I don't know if that opens you up for lawsuits to the arena. I don't know. Like there's all that other like class action lawsuits and things that could happen from that. Like one of those things, it's like baffling to me that it's even being discussed. If this thing is still going on near mania, which is what three weeks away at this point. Yeah. uh, Three weeks away. Uh, Crazy. Uh, I wanted to kind of apologize, but even though I'm going to, um, you know, thank Uprox for all their information. I just, this literally just got loaded after I did the notes, I guess, that a second update after the initial report was that SmackDown was going to be at the Performance Center. WWE said, no, that's not happening. And now they've updated again and said, yeah, we'll be at an empty arena at the at the uh, Performance Center. So that's crazy. Uh, that also makes me wonder what's going to happen for Raw. And, um, you know, also I've been – I keep on updating uh, WrestleMania as of right now, ESPN, Tampa Bay Times, um, Wrestling Inc., Sports Illustrated, all of them are reporting that it's still on. So until we get something different, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the report, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I was wrong, Chris. Uh, SmackDown is not going to be on tomorrow night in, uh, in Detroit. It's going to be at the Performance Center with an empty crowd. Yeah, and and like you said, I think there's been conflicting reports of that all day. So, uh, you know, it, it I it's one of those things where it's going to be up to the the actual event because you're putting your event staff at risk too. It's not just WWE, and it's not just the fans; it's the people that work there. And if you're an employer, I mean, at some point you have to kind of care about this. Um, I, I would assume that this thing gets canceled from. Phillips Arena or what we call, I think it's State Farm now or whatever on Monday. So if you have tickets, I would go ahead and try to make plans. I'm assuming the cancellation will come out Saturday just because I'm seeing school closing for all of next week right off the bat. Like uh, my alma mater in the, the hometown of AJ Styles, Gainesville, Georgia, a.k.a. Hall County, um, has already canceled schools for next week, and they've put in place uh, checkout devices for kids that might not have internet, et cetera, so they can do online learning. So at least that's kind of cool to see that there's stuff like that put in place. But um, yeah, that's, this thing is way bigger than wrestling in a lot of ways. And if you start seeing the NBA and and the NHL and these other large companies starting to shut it down and and the venues not freaking out about it, I'm just, I would assume that Atlanta's, if SmackDown's canceled in Detroit, Atlanta's probably going to be canceled on Monday. Um, and they've already shut down the Atlanta Hawks, uh, so it, we'll see. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that being said, uh, do you want to talk about a former uh, New England Patriot, <laughs> or uh, do you want to? Do you have anything else to say about this whole thing? Uh, no, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to to give out stats and and have. I mean, my opinion of it is that it's a bad publicity move for WWE to move forward with any of their live shows while everyone else is canceled. I I would go the postponement route, follow suit with the NBA, NHL, and the MLS, restructure those dates, et cetera, and that's that's what I would put it. It sucks 
Um, if you look at it selfishly of like, oh, I'm going to miss these events and that, I mean, it does suck because you were probably looking forward to it. You probably bought tickets like two months ago or whatever. Same thing with me shaking knees. That might not happen. That's going to suck. But uh, realistically, it's one of those things you just kind of have to look at self selfless um, as opposed to, man, I'm going to have so much fun at this thing. And it sucks, um, but I think it's within reason. So we'll see. I mean, April's three weeks away. Maybe this thing will have calmed down a bit by then, but uh, my guess is probably not. And uh, I would, like I said, if, if I would go ahead and start looking at Ticketmaster for refunds on those Atlanta tickets, um, because I, I do think that thing's probably getting canceled just based on uh, Travis Slink, who is the, I think he's the general manager of the Hawks, was kind of talking about how they're pretty much shutting down most of the concerts that are happening at State Farm, and the NBA has already shut down all of the games that are happening there. It would just make logical sense um, for WWE to be next. And uh, one thing he said, like, they did a game before that the NBA thing came out, uh, with the full cancellation, there was a game that night, and uh, they did the win free two uh, win two free ch- chicken sandwiches or whatever. If there was like a missed two missed free throws in a row or something crazy like that, uh, so the people won the free Chick Fil A sandwiches or whatever. And he's like, I don't feel safe giving out these coupons even or having my custodians give out these coupons to everyone in this arena. So they just like mixed that. So uh, there's there's definitely a a thought process there that I don't think WWE is going to be able to get around. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. All right. Well, um, in other news, um, former new England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski has, uh, reportedly signed a deal with WWE as reported on, uh, whatever the hell the name of their backstage show is. Um, backstage, WWE Backstage, Ryan Satin, hack, sorry, hack, uh, reported this news uh, on the show. So this is straight from WWE, obviously giving him the information to display it within the uh, television show. But, um, yeah, we don't know exactly what this means, what this entails, if this is specifically for a wrestling angle or if this is going to be, I mean, Obviously, Rob's a bigger name than Todd McAfee, but they already have him doing some type of analysis-styled stuff. Uh, we know that he works for Fox. Um, it would make sense for SmackDown to be location, I would assume, uh, for, for anything. Um, or this could be just for one set pay-per-view. Uh, I, if he's signing a contract, I would assume it's something wrestling-related. I know he made a, a comment um, that he could be a full-time wrestler, uh, so, if anything, it would even be lighter if you were to do, like, a wrestling schedule. I'm quoting, I'm air quoting right now. It would be probably even lighter than Brock Lesnar's or Ronda Rousey's. Uh, but that's fine. If, if if that's what he wants to do, he's charismatic as hell. He's uh, 30. He just turned 30. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing, obviously, with wrestling, it's if you have issues with concussions from football, I don't think wrestling is the best thing to go into uh, right afterwards. But then again, like I said, this could be an angle, but I don't remember them doing this with the Gypsy King, um, you know, with an actual laid-out contract. So it, it, it could be something that, that will progress, and then maybe if he wants to stay around and do anything else outside of that, he'll have the option. But still, 
uh, pretty pretty good on the information. Sorry about that coughing, by the way, Chris. Uh, but how, how did you how did you feel about this information? <laughs> well, I mean, I I didn't dislike Ryan Satin before he became much like Sam Roberts, just one of the uh, the heads of WWE's, uh, uh, I guess, objectives in a lot of ways. When you start I've just pushing new TMZ. So, <laughs> yeah, when you just start pushing the the information that's fed to you by the company, it's hard to take as news. Um, but whatever, they broke that story. The, the Rob Gronkowski, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, three or four dates a year, probably some kind of angle with the Street Profits or something with Mojo um, that they'll make fun for the crowd. He's kind of a goofball. I could see him doing the uh, the the show back WWE backstage. He's already at it when I kind of we talked about this previously last year. I don't know if it still holds true, but he was under contract with Fox Sports. He did their morning show for football, so um, that's going to be a lot of his time just every Sunday during the middle of the year. So I'm assuming that's going to be still held true, and maybe that contract's a lot like CM Punk's, where it's like you're a Fox employee, we can ask you to do multiple things or whatever. Uh, if that's the case, I would assume that he's going to be on backstage and then maybe do some wrestling stuff. I, I wouldn't be surprised for him to. Uh, I mean, I think it's already said that he was going to make an appearance, right? But now we're doing it without yeah, a live well, crowd potentially. That's. Um, <laughs> I think it was supposed to be on the uh, the 20th is when he was supposed to make his SmackDown appearance. And he did sign with WWE, but still that he also is doing that Fox show. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think that there could be an angle for the son of Boston between him and John Cena, even though he's from Amherst? I feel like the audience would still <laughs> – I feel like the Boston audience would still cheer for Rob Gronkowski over John Cena. <laughs> That's insane to me. I mean, they're both good guys. Just put them in a team together. Like, I don't know. Are people still like? Do they people still hate John Cena? Is that where we're at in life? Or if people like, he's been in those commercials and the Fast and the Furious movies coming out. We're okay with John Cena now. Because like, I've always been okay with John Cena, but I need a general feel of if people still hate John Cena before I could make the decision on Dude. who the crowd would cheer for. <laughs> It's it's like he's getting booed, and he's like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm actually from here. Like, I'm from Boston. He's from New York. But they love the Gronk, man. They love his romantics in Boston, spending a lot of money at the bars and shit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's always going to be a legend there. I mean, what, he won two or three Super Bowls in New England? I don't know his exact – I know he won two. I don't know his exact timeline, but he's a huge part of that offense for a long time. So if you're in Boston, like – He's a fucking – he's one of those legends, much like Tom Brady. (laughs) I would assume he probably would get cheered over John Cena, but I would just keep in mind, John Cena's the 15-time world champion. Suck on that, guy. damn right. And he's in in the Fast and the Furious movie, so – which is also postponed, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, along with Quiet Place 2 and uh, the new James Bond movie, actually. Yep. Anyways, um – Let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, about I guess anything else involving Gronk. Like I guess we kind of like I think we did talk about everything pretty much. Um, obviously he's charismatic. That doesn't mean that he's gonna be great in the ring. Um, I guess his finisher could be a spear, but everyone fucking does that now at this point. Uh, you know he's definitely gonna be something where it's like look at this. But I will say to naysayers, especially. If you're like me, who's not even that big of a football fan, um, 
some of the best wrestlers came from football. I should, you know, that should already be known. And athletes usually get it. And if he has passion, he'll he'll get decent. And it doesn't matter if if people don't like them, they're gonna say that he's shit. No matter what, just like they did with Ronda, which was a bunch of bullshit, because Ronda progressively got extremely good at wrestling in a very short amount of time. And I'm sorry from Steve, the guy that says different, but I'm going to go by Kurt Angle's observation over it over yours. But I think if he wants to do something, it will be limited. Um, I don't know even if Saudi Arabia would even give a shit about him because he's not, I don't think, known over there. But, you know, he's someone that's got a celebrity persona. It seems to fit, Chris, with SmackDown, which at one point we were thinking was going to be the wrestling show. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, when they brought Rock back the first week, they did like, what, 3.6 million or something. It was open to a wider audience, and then they gave us very lackluster SmackDown shows, and I think the audience just fell off after that. I mean, um, it's, it is weird that he's just going to be on SmackDown because a logical choice would be to do something with Mojo since they've already kind of told that story, but maybe that's not what it is. I mean, I'm just thinking of guys that he could work with, and the first person that comes to ben mind Corbin. is like Sami Zayn. Oh, fucking A, come on. You got to give him someone well, that's good in the ring. Like Roman, <laughs> maybe. Like, I'm just you know, of like Sammy a heel that can get heat and they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll cheer the fuck out of Gronk and they'll want him to kill the shit out of him because Corbin's good at three things. He's good at getting heat and then his, his signature and his finisher. So. <laughs> It's not even that Corbin's bad, but you're putting him in with a, a guy that's never wrestled before. Yeah, he's going to be very that's green. True. That's if you're going to protect him, I, I, you know, Sami Zayn will be able to get heat by being Canadian. He'll just put his Montrealisms way over the top. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably the matchup. I thought for sure I was not Gronk. get these hands. I mean, I guess if Gronk wins the 24-7 title, you could have – or you could have uh, – if Mojo wins the 24-7 title again, you could have that interaction. Him and R-Truth would make a lot of sense. I mean, Gronk is kind of a goofy personality, even if you watch those, uh, you know, even if you watch the Fox Sunday football show, he, he is that goofier personality, kind of the Mr. Chuckles of the group. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I see him doing something maybe with a 24-7 title with someone they trust, like R-Truth um, or yeah. his friend Mojo. Um, but also, if you're going to have a serious match with him, I, I would say, you know, Sami Zayn's the person they could get that over as being the heel, yeah. especially with his little foreign alliance that he has going. And Rob Gronkowski is like white meat football, America baby face. I played for the Patriots and won a Super Bowl. Like, that's probably your story. Hey, I'm down for that, man. I actually, I like that a lot. It's going to be interesting, you know, to see. I, I think it would be funny if, if that scenario plays out. Maybe Gronk gets the IC belt in a couple months. Mojo does run past him, and he's like, Mojo, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and maybe <laughs> maybe then Mojo will start looking in that mirror again and trying to figure something out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, with any time they bring in a celebrity like this, I just immediately think, like, well, who could they work with safely that won't hurt them and also yeah. have a fun match to watch? And Sami Zayn's, like, the perfect guy for that, right? It's either going to be him or, like, yep. Dolph Ziggler as, as far as someone you would pair him with because they're not going to put him against The Fiend, and they can't put him against Roman because there's the possibility that Roman might get booed. I mean, you could put him against Goldberg, but then you just have to have Goldberg kill him. So it's 
it's one of those weird scenarios where just Sami Zayn makes the most sense. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it a little logically, do, do you have any fantasy booking ideas for Gronk outside of Sammy? No, man. Like I said, I, I think the Cena concept's just fun, just, you know, to play with in my head, but I like Sammy. I think that's a good idea. I think you're right about the Baron Corbin, but I thought the aspect at least of him being a good heel for him to bounce off of, but you know, I think you're right about needing someone that's a little more, uh, can can take any the flaws while while Gronk's learning and kind of excel them and help them out, you know. So it's 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 him being able to use his athleticism, uh, you know, towards the match as in, instead of against it. I think Sammy would be a perfect person to bounce that off of, and that means that he can kind of mess around with their crew if they're still together after a little while between Shinsuke and Cesaro. Hopefully, somehow those motherfuckers just get out of their contracts and get the hell out of WWE. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, Stan, you know. well, Sammy, re- Sammy re-signed when Kevin re-signed, so he's there at least until 2023 or some shit, I think. Um, oh, we need so to find we, out about Cesaro and especially Shinsuke. I wish Shinsuke would be back in New Japan, honestly. Uh, I want so to the rumors that – obviously, some of this is just internet hearsay and rumors that I've heard from different dirt sheets, but from what I've heard, Shinsuke completely loves being in the WWE because he loves living in Florida and just surfing and chilling and not having a lot of work, like a heavy workload like you would have to have if he went to New Japan or somewhere else, which, I mean, if he went to AEW or whatever, that's fine. I just don't know how they would, I mean, I guess you could utilize him against Kenny Omega or whatever, but he's towards the end of his career anyways. Um, So like WWE is kind of the perfect spot, I think, for him and his family because he from all accounts that I've heard, even from Dave, he's just been super happy with living in the Florida area and having this lighter work schedule with WWE, uh, which is crazy because there's lots of travel, but I don't think it's the travel that bothers him. It's the fact that, you know, if he goes to an AEW or back to New Japan, they're going to expect that level of Nakamura. Those fans aren't going to let him do what he's been doing in WWE. There is no seven-minute TV match. They're going to want the 20-minute matches of old-school Nakamura, much like when he was in NXT, which would be great for wrestling fans to see. But, you know, if you're getting paid a shit ton of money to surf and hang out with your family, and you've already done kind of everything in the wrestling business anyways, and you're considered a fucking legend, like, I would probably be the same way. That's very true, you know, and and the thing is, the more I'm thinking about it, if anything, maybe seeing Shinsuke pop up in NXT would be nice because then we could get some more matches out of him. And if he wants to go back to the main, he can, and it's still located in Florida, lighter schedule and everything. I just want to see, you know, going back and watching his matches with Tanahashi, Shibata, even way back in the day, Chris, you know, and then, you know, the one with AJ Styles and like his match with Kenny Omega back in the day, like, and then seeing him at NXT, at least with, I think, Samoa Joe and especially Sami Zayn. God, that level of intensity and, and just how vicious and hard-striking he was. And to see him now, it's just it's a very, very, very different Nakamura. I mean, it's almost like Sami Zayn showed up and he was like, let me get one of those New Japan matches out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I don't want to be the only one of these guys that haven't had that match. And also I can tell Kevin about how awesome our match was. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, because like that's the last that's the closest to the New Japan Sammy or uh, New Japan Nakamura that I've seen was him versus Sammy, which is a fucking phenomenal match. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on the network. It's great. 
Um, it's also Sammy's goodbye to NXT, which was pretty awesome in itself, but it's one hell of a match. And that's kind of the Nakamura. I think everyone was hoping for when he showed up and pulled off those, you know, that, that section of matches between Joe and Sammy Zayn, And you're like, Oh man, AJ Styles is on the main roster. This shit's going to be awesome. And then they do that feud and you're like, uh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, nah, he's going to die. He dialed it back a little bit, but like I said, I mean, he's an older guy. The one name you did mention there that I would love to see in AEW is Cesaro because Claudio Castanalia, or how yeah. the hell you pronounce his last name in ring of honor was an absolute monster continues to be one of the best wrestlers on that roster is a pretty good promo when you give him a chance. Um, he's a guy I think that could absolutely flourish and the internet fans would totally be behind that as well. If he, did hop brands, so to speak. Yep, I agree with you. Well, let's uh, we'll, we'll get to a match involving them, but let's talk about Elimination Chamber uh, from this last Sunday. I gotta say, before before we move on with the card, well, I'll, I'll introduce the kickoff match because I barely watched it. Viking Raiders killed Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. So remember, they won the championships last year. Yeah, it was because randomly Vince was feeling good about the fact that they were in New York and decided to let them win them, and that's why they lost it shortly after that. Zack Ryder, uh, you know, uh, I feel bad for Zack Ryder. I just got to say that about it. But uh, Viking Raiders beat them, I guess giving them credibility since they keep on losing as of lately. I don't really know what the fuck happens with the tag division. I don't even know why the hell they did this match. Um, But that's just me. Uh, But what I was going to say is, minus this match and maybe a, a couple more, uh, especially the IC match. I didn't really get that. I thought it was a good pay-per-view. And um, it's funny. Some outlets really liked it. Some people really, really did not like it. And um, I actually had fun with the majority of the matches. And I think like the biggest problem a lot of people had was the main event. And I actually thought it was well executed. Uh, you know, a little bit awkward with, with some of the pauses. But, I mean, other than that, it was a very short elimination chamber and got to the point after a long-ass pay-per-view, and put over Shayna Baszler. But, you know, I think that's the difference, is that, that some people, the the not or the lack of knowledge of NXT and, and exposure of Shayna Baszler might have uh, caused that. But I thought that was awesome. But w- some people really had a problem, like Brian Alvarez, uh, with how they did it uh, with the men's uh, elimination chamber, because of not having heavy machinery win the match. And I can kind of agree with that to an extent, too, but I didn't have a problem with the way that one played out. But um, what was your overall feelings about Elimination Chamber, Chris? I mean, outside of just some nitpicking booking decisions, I thought the wrestling on it itself was fine. I mean, I there wasn't anything... Like, this was not that bad of a WWE pay-per-view. This was not as bad as that Hell in a Cell. Like, I don't understand why people are so torn on this one unless it's that they were a huge Asuka fan and thought Asuka should win that match or huge heavy machinery fans and thought that that would be the good time to give heavy machinery the win. But to me, they're just continuing that storyline with Dolph and Mandy. And, like, I just assumed that was going to be the finish anyways was that neither of those teams are going to win the title because that is the actual storyline and you're probably going to get, like, an Otis off match in the future like a blow-off match for that feud um so that i wasn't that upset about the opening match was what it is what it is i mean you know it's it's hawkins and Ryder. they just gave they're just trying to give the viking raiders uh raiders a, a win and um you know there's two guys that are pretty decent in the ring right now in zach Ryder's career and they just seem super into that major wrestling 
figures podcast. I'm not a collector uh, of wrestling figures. I do collect baseball cards and, and uh, hockey cards um, and retro video games and stuff like that. So I get the collection aspect, and I actually th- find that very entertaining. So if he's cool with just doing those public signings and, and being a big pusher of Mattel products to, you know, there's a spot for you there. It is weird because you have Zack Ryder have these big moments where he wins the IC title and he gets beat like the next night or he wins the tag team titles. And he gets beat, he gets beat like two weeks later. That is a bit weird, but he doesn't, it doesn't seem like they have a problem with it. It seems like they just love being wrestlers yeah. in general. Um. And I will say, if, you, if you're into collecting at all, regardless of what it is, if it's action figures or cards or whatever, their podcast and their YouTube channel are, are both really great. So um, it's kind of that thing with New Day where it's like, oh, I would love to see New Day versus the Young Bucks, but the up, up, down, down stuff that they do and the fact they have their own podcast. And there's things outside of wrestling that I think people love that it's easy to forget uh, sometimes that some things are more important than your job in some aspects and if you can yeah. turn those things into part of your job that goes a long way you know no i agree it's just uh it's weird you know kind of with Dolph, but obviously you know i would even say with bobby Roode and 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 uh zach Ryder, they just seem <laughs> to me like the stereotypical if you will vince guy uh and none of those guys kind of have worked i well i mean dolph's been the champion but it's like what the f- I'm not going to even go down that rabbit hole. But anyways, yeah, I just um, – when you look at Zack Ryder, you see his performance, you see him past matches, you watched him, you know, come up. I watched going back and shit like that and checking it out. But he's, he's talented, man. It's just, and if, if that's the case, and I know that uh, Hawkins – and I think he's a very talented wrestler. He's a teacher uh, and has his own gym, and he, that's, that's what he's very passionate about it, and he helps out WWE with that. So, hey, if they're happy and they're doing their thing – that's great, but it just if you go a year like just a little over a year ago, where they were, it just it's just funny, uh, you know, how things changed. Then again, look at Kofi Kingston, for instance. What what happened last year compared to this year at the same exact pay per view? Yeah. I, I would also say this about you know not to say that Vince McMahon would hold a grudge, but Zack Ryder did get himself over on the internet, not under WWE's umbrella. Um the opposite of what new day, like Xavier Woods was already big when he started his YouTube thing as a wrestler with the new day versus like Zack Ryder just got that internet woo woo, uh, long Island, ice Z shit way over and then proceeded to get buried on TV for being that guy. So I don't know if there was some hurt feelings there or what, but I think that has a lot to do with some of his starts and stops, uh, because he is more of the prototypical Vince guy. Whereas, uh, Oh, man, why can't I think of his name, his tag partner? Jeez, I just blinked on it. Kurt Hawkins. Uh, Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, apologies. Uh, Kurt, whereas Kurt Hawkins, you know, like he, outside of the edgeheads, he's never really been a big integral part in anything uh, storyline-wise. So, I don't know. Um, I think they're a pretty good tag team. They're both really good in the ring. There's things that you could do with them, but the idea right now is is – the, the rest of that tag division is what they're pushing towards, not necessarily them. So I wouldn't expect them not to be, you know, job guys or on main event, which is still, every time I say main event, I forget, it's like, I forget it exists and it randomly pops back in my head. <laughs> and that, and that's not me trying to be a dick. It's just something I literally never think about unless I'm at a live event and they start taping it. I'm like, Oh yeah, that show exists uh, because it doesn't play into any other storylines really. It's just kind of a show. It's like, here's some wrestling. Um, 
but yeah, that, they're 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 a weird rule. I mean, obviously, when you said like the uh, things that I watched when they were kind of at their top was when they were the edge heads. So when they were like yeah. highly, you know, tied into edge and they got kind of that push out of that. And then, uh, Heath Slater or not Heath Slater. I keep saying Heath Slater cause he's on their damn podcast all the time. Uh, Kurt Hawkins, he kind of had a little push in the, in what was the, uh, now defunct WWE version of ECW. But outside of that, I mean, it was tough sledding for Zack Ryder after that. And then he got himself over, then he got buried, and then they put the IC title on him in this huge WrestleMania moment, and then they just like and then have done what they've later, done right? with him. Yeah. Let me ask you one last thing before we move on from this extremely great conversation of Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Uh, do you think Zack Ryder is the illegitimate child of Buff Bagwell? It's very possible, but like, I, I it's it's hard to say, man. I can see it. I could definitely see it if the timeline's lined up. <laughs> uh, hey, Buff, where were you in uh, New York? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, let's move on to a uh, – it might have been uh, considerably the match of the night, honestly. And we we all thought, you know, when we found out they were going to do this match last minute, that Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak might steal the show. And they had an incredible wrestling match. And I'm sure that there's some wrestling fans – out there, they were probably bored from the beginning, and I loved it. Reminded me of Brett and fucking and, and Davy Boy, or or Brett and Owen, or you know Kurt Angle uh, with a lot of different opponents. Just how they would start off him and Eddie actually with wrestling and not move off the ropes, not do any of that. Just go down to the mat, go back, a couple of strikes in here and there, but mostly like locks for a good portion of the time. Dean Malenko is another person that comes to mind. And I thought it was awesome. I thought that both of them really were hitting each other hard. Uh, they definitely did the uh, – I, th- I think that was the, the Wembley Stadium thing where, where Brett and, and Davey Boy did the, the, um, the suplex to the outside on accident or whatever. Uh, they did a lot of awesome spots. I think the scariest one was, you know, keep in mind, we're watching this. I think I, think I can speak on behalf of a lot of uh, wrestling fans, uh, possibly Chris. But we're watching this, and – we kind of know Daniel Bryan's obviously got a bad neck. Uh, that's never been something that, that, that people didn't know about. Um, and obviously he's got his, con- his concussion issues. And there was a fucking, you said so perfectly, it's like he Kota Ibushi'd himself. Drew Gulak did a back suplex, and Daniel Bryan landed it forcibly himself to make it look and honestly be way worse than it was. Like where he let, he basically dropped himself on on his neck with his momentum, and I mean, he doesn't want to let up. I loved his promo afterwards. I know that a lot of people thought that since he was saying that he loves wrestling, he loves the blood and guts of it, that he was throwing a shot at AEW. I really don't know if that was his intentions. It could have been whatever. Everyone's making comments here and there, so I just get over it, basically, but the match itself was fucking awesome. It was a great technical match, and I think I I text you, Chris, maybe like 10 minutes almost into it, I'm like, they haven't even gone on to the outside. And they would, but there was like one time where Daniel Bryan uh, pulled a powder and then he came back right into the ring afterwards. But I thought it was an awesome match. Uh, Drew Gulak lost um, and kind of exposed a little bit in Daniel Bryan's uh, thing. And I think tomorrow night on SmackDown, we're probably going to find out more about that. And I'd like to see another match between the two of them and maybe a series of matches because it is weird. You know, Drew's, 
he kind of looks a little bit older, but he's still like, I think, 31, 32. So he probably did look up to Daniel Bryan. And I, I forgot who said it on commentary. It was like they were a mirror of each other. Like, same head shave, same everything. And uh, they just worked really well together. I was very impressed by this match. Um, well, I, I guess for an elimination chamber, it was it kind of, like, took me off a little bit. Uh, what did you think about it? I thought this was on uh, – we normally bitch about the placement of, of the show, but I think this was placed in the perfect spot for what this match was going to be. Um, and they had a really, really good wrestling match. If you're into the old, more of the old school ground wrestling, like you said, and more of the technical aspect of wrestling. Um, if you're a Zack Sabre Jr. fan, for instance, you'd probably be into this match. I thought it was very good. Daniel Bryan's fucking incredible, as we all know. So his ability to get the crowd into kind of anything he does uh, really shone through here. Because if anyone else went out there and tried to have this match in WWE, at a pay-per-view called Elimination Chamber, I don't know that they would be able to necessarily get it over the, the way he does. Just the fans care about Daniel Bryan so much. And that's not taking anything away from Drew Gulak. He's, he's also a great performer, great wrestler, but he's not getting the same crowd response as a, as a Daniel Bryan. Um, the, the, the next spot, <laughs> I did forget that I said he Kota Ibushi himself, uh, but that is definitely what it seemed like. He, it seemed like he laid it on his neck on purpose. Not that Gulak just dropped him or anything crazy or obscene. It is scary to see Daniel Bryan do that. But, you know, when you're one of the best wrestlers in the world, I guess you're going to test your limitations in a lot of ways. I mean, we see Naito do it every time he steps in the ring, pretty much. Same thing with Ibushi. So it's a similar mindset from Daniel Bryan. It's just a little weird because it's, you know, it's almost what ended his career pretty much. So. I don't know. I mean, Takahashi is another example of this recently of where these guys uh, have way more reckless abandon than me by going to a hockey game. They're just dropping each other on their necks. But uh, I liked the suplex spot to the outside. Uh, I love that callback. I thought that was a really cool spot. I liked the most of the in-ring wrestling. And I I liked that they they worked through the storyline of what he was doing beforehand with kind of his – henchmen and him telling them what to attack on Daniel Bryan and how he was going to expose his weaknesses. And I love your idea for having a series of matches because you could almost do like the Sheamus versus Cesaro thing. And if you wanted to, you could even do like a Daniel Bryan drew Gulak tag team coming out of that. If you're going to recycle a storyline, that'd be like one hell of a tag team, especially if you get around the draft and you draft them against like people like AOP and, these bigger guys you want to get over, but you want a credible threat um, that can move around the ring and kind of fly about. That'd be a really great tag team, especially if you're not looking at Daniel Bryan as like a top guy anymore. Yeah, I definitely like that idea. I just, I, I was very, I was very impressed by this match. Um, I mean, I, I don't know why I shouldn't. I, Drew Gulak had an amazing, you know, wrestling based match with Matt Riddle at Evolve. Uh, oh, they've had several actually, but the one that was uh, you know more recent when Matt Riddle and him visited uh, Valve's anniversary show. So he's awesome. Daniel Bryan's awesome. I love technical wrestling. Um, I love every aspect of wrestling pretty much. And but I love the in-ring stuff. I'm I ha- I am I know that I'm not like in the biggest demographic when it comes to overall wrestling fans uh, because like when it kind of translates. I'm the type of wrestling fan that also likes UFC and boxing and kind of loved wrestling because it kind of embodied that type of concept. And I love the entertainment aspect, don't get me wrong, but it's more of the wrestling. 
And when it goes to UFC, a lot of times like it when it's, you know, a really, really great judo match and it's a lot of holds and stuff like that where a lot of people, if it's not as flashy or as entertaining and not as strike-based, it gets a little bit boring for them. But I guess that's, you know, that's the difference. And uh, so the way that people evaluate wrestling, I guess. I like the in-ring wrestling while a lot of people like the in-ring entertainment or mix in the middle, you know, doesn't matter. But uh, anyways, uh, I'm rambling now at this point. Chris, do you have any other points yeah, before I, we move on? No, I would agree with you. I think there's different types of wrestling fans now. You know, um, if, if you're a high-spot guy, they have the match for you. If you're a technical guy, there's plenty of people that have the match for you. If you like just to see, as Big E would say, big men slapping meat, <laughs> there's a match for you. Um yeah, I, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, and I kind of fall in the line of view. I like the majority of a lot of the different styles, um, but I do love good psychology and just in-ring work. Uh, and and the, the guy that comes to mind right off the bat for that was, you know, Daniel Bryan in, in Ring of Honor when he was there, and, and maybe even to some extent now, like Zack Sabre Jr., I think, like, the stuff that he's done in the past has been absolutely him incredible him as far as – they keep on having yeah. fucking just ridiculous technical matches. But, uh, you know, not every match. If you look at the rest of the card, there's like a bazillion huge spots. So it made sense for them not to do that so that the match stood out. Um, and the spot that they did do wasn't insane. I mean, you're looking at a suplex to the outside, which it's still crazy because you don't see it that often. But it's not like they did a bazillion top rope spots which both of them are capable of doing. Like, they wanted to do shit off the top ropes. They could, but it's, you know, it kind of fit a place in that show knowing that you're going to have someone from House Party swing around and then do a moonsault off the top of an elimination chamber <laughs> later on. God damn. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think they actually did a good job of spreading this apart and having different style matches because... I don't know. I, I think that there were faults about the next match, the U.S. Uh, championship match, the champion Andrade going against Humberto Carrillo. But uh, the fault of it were the fact that we've seen this fucking style of match with these guys so often, and Humberto didn't even get a win. Like, you would think that if this is going to advance the storyline and what a lot of us think is going to be the four-way match at WrestleMania for the title between Ray. Humberto, Angel, and Andrade with possibly Angel getting the title. I think that's how a lot of people are mapping it out, at least in their heads. This fancy booking, so there's nothing, there's no credible concept when it comes to that. Uh, but it didn't really, it, they, they did a lot of what they did. Like, it was a tight luchador-based match. It was fast-paced. Um, they didn't screw up a lot, but I think we've seen this whole thing uh, before, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think the worst part about it it might have been different had Humberto won the title to change up the storyline a bit. Yeah, but I think the storyline is dissension between him and, you know, uh, Zelina Vega. It's not necessarily Humberto. I think they're done with Humberto, honestly, once they get past this feud with that crew, um, be it a four-way match or some sort of tag match or whatever. I I don't know, man. It seems like Vince is kind of slowly pushing the brakes on Humberto. Um, and it's been a while. But he knows he can get a good quality match out of it. But he also knows he can get a good quality match out of Dolph Ziggler. And we've seen what that's done for Dolph Ziggler over the years. So 
he may just have fallen found himself in that category, unfortunately, whereas Angel Garza, he's got like a real connection with the crowd. Him and Andrade having a feud, Andrade can kind of be the heel there. Um, it's the problem with the match I have is that I saw the match like five times before the pay-per-view. It's like there's only so much they can do to differ that match. And it's not, if it was spread out over a year, maybe it would have had more of an impact, but it I literally felt like a television match that I've seen on raw and not take anything away from what they were doing in the ring. Like it wasn't a bad match, but it, that's kind of how I felt about it at least. No, I completely get it. And uh, yeah, I don't blame you for having that opinion on it. And that's what I'm wondering. I don't know if you watched NXT or not, um, or had a chance to finish it. Uh, but I'm wondering if whoever kidnapped Raul Mendoza on NXT in the parking lot is going to go and also uh, take Humberto Carrillo, and that's what's going to happen to him, is we're going to see him on the next season of Breaking Bad um, instead. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that story. That was really <laughs> weird and out of nowhere. <laughs> um, I, I mean, there should be no problem with sending Humberto down to be part of that cruiserweight division, which I think has been pretty much kick-ass since Devlin showed up, and you had Angel and Leo and all those cats. Like, the Cruiserweight division is so good. Yeah, on NXT, yeah. the Cruiserweight division has been so good. Like, if you're not going to do anything with Humberto after this feud, there's no reason not to send him down there and just have Dude, great matches. At this, point, at this point, I wish that they would send Cedric and Ricochet down there just because if you're going to fucking destroy them and just have them have matches every once in a while and do main event, no, fuck that, dude. That's some bullshit, especially Ricochet. I mean, uh, yeah, like you just, there's so many good matches Ricochet could get out, out of people on that card, and some that we didn't even see. Like, did we ever see Ricochet versus Gargano one-on-one or no. Ricochet versus Tommaso Ciampa? Like, there's so much fuel to that that it, in some ways, I, you know, they definitely brought him up too early, um, especially because yeah. Alistair got hurt, and then Tom, Tommaso got hurt, and they just split those tag teams up completely and then built zero storyline off of it. Um and then they just and saddled then him Johnny with that was like, "Fuck this! I'm going back to NXT, basically." And he's like, uh, "I'm going to go hang out with Sean. I like him better." Sorry, Vince. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Ricochet has been very positive about his spot. Good for him for staying positive in, in the situation. But just thinking about what he could be doing in AEW, <laughs> he needs uh, to be rebranded, man. And I think he rebranded him as an actual badass luchador. And we've talked about that in the past, but it, it's the superhero thing has took a that. shit, especially especially because he lost so much to AJ that it's it's really hard to get behind him. If I can send him to SmackDown and put him against Morrison again, they'll get fans behind him, and then don't do the super, superhero thing. Just make him have good matches. Dude, I'm worried about Morrison, too. i got to already say that. Um, I don't think it's good that he just was put in a fucking tag team with the Miz. I know that they have... I don't know. I just feel like if he were to have gone to AEW, they would have put him on a different pedestal than that. I want to really know what happens after this with him and Miz. Um, but anyways, that kind of leads into our conversation about the next match. Elimination Chamber match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, the Miz and John Morrison went against the New Day, the Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. If I am correct, I believe it started off with the New Day and the Usos, because why wouldn't it? And then it went from there. I think the next people that came out were – I'm really – 
I want to say Dolph Ziggler and no, 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 no. It was it was Lucha House Party, then Dolph and them, and then Heavy Machinery, and I believe the champs came out last. That could be completely wrong, but this match for having this many people in there, there were spots where people had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, one where we would find out that Lindsay Dorado is a fucking maniac. Um, where Otis looked like he missed a spot or he was trying to, like, make sure he was in the right area or whatever while this Spider-Man climbs up the fucking cage. But, uh, yeah, those are probably the two craziest moments, I would say, throughout the whole entire thing was Lindsay Dorado going up to the top of the cage, climbing from one side of the pod to the top and doing a swinging shooting star to everyone below him. And then from there, immediately his partner, Grand Metalik, gets uh, pinned by heavy machinery. So that kind of sucked. Got the compactor right afterwards. Uh, Otis tried to kill Dolph Ziggler against one of the pods, but Ziggler moved, and Otis went through the entire pod and was having convulsions on the floor. It was uh, pretty. He looked like a fish that just like got into the boat, basically. He was a magic carp. <laughs> Magic carp, 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 carp. Yeah, exactly. Before that, actually, there was another thing where, where Otis, all he did was Tucker jumped on top of the one the pods chasing Dolph Ziggler, tossed him down to Otis. He just hurls him over the ropes, and he goes, oh, yeah. This is what Tucker has to do to get over compared to Otis, okay? <laughs> Otis barely does a goddamn thing, okay? Just says his catchphrase and tosses the guy that he's had a feud with that he finally gets his chance to. And he goes, hey, Tucky, all right, do it. And then all of a sudden, Tucker does a running <laughs> somersault off the fucking pod and takes out four or five people. It was nuts. And, <sighs> yeah, soon after Otis fell off to the floor, Robert Roode hit the glorious DDT after a super kick from Dolph Ziggler, and Heavy Machinery is out of there. Um, New Day hit their finishers of Ziggler and Roode, setting up the Usos to hit the splashes on top of the pods. I don't know which Uso... Uh, it was the one that was on the left side of the screen, if you will, like the left bottom corner. He kind of like looked like he fell weird and just went knees first. It looked so fucking painful, while the other one gets a ma- major error. Um, yeah, and then they eliminated them. Kofi Kingston tried to dive off the top of the pod onto the Usos, but Miss allowing Miz and Morrison to pin him and eliminate the New Day. Miz and Morrison then won the match with a uh, tandem sunset flip with Mrs. Feet on the ropes. I really actually liked the way that they maneuvered it because it was like there was no way he could fucking, uh, you know, uh, kick out. And they were doing that with the pins. I liked that, and I also liked on AEW the triple um, submission move that the uh, triangle, whatever the fuck they're called, did. That, that stuff's different. It's, it's, it's unique. I actually I had no problem with that. But um, it was a good elimination chamber. It was fast-paced. A lot of crazy shit happened. There was some clunky crap. Uh, I really don't know if I feel bad for Otis compared to the Spanish announce table where the Puxy glass just bounced off their fucking table and looked like it hit both the guys in the face um, and while he's, you know, magic carping on the goddamn ground. But, Chris, I like this <laughs> elimination chamber. It was it was entertaining. Uh, Lindsay Dorado is a crazy asshole. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay should have bought everyone who called him a snake, especially considering how some things have went in AAA and – and other places as of late with someone jumping off some weird scaffolding uh, because it caught him perfectly. But that that's insane, man. Like, how do you even prep for that? Do you just sit back and listen to Pantera all night and then maybe do some Coke beforehand? Like, how do you get prepped to, I'm going to climb up here. 
way ass up here in the sky and swung my body into a moon salt. <laughs> yeah, like uh, that was probably that was definitely the spot of the night. I had no problem with uh, Otis in uh, heavy machinery getting a loss. I thought they tried to make them look strong in the match itself. Um, and it, it just pay, it it just makes Otis a little more sympathetic, and they're going to continue that storyline. Um, I am surprised like they didn't put the belts on the New Day or the Usos. I'm okay with them keeping it on, you know, giving like, oh, I guess they kept, they retained, right? So keeping it on Miz and uh, Miz and Morrison. I'm interested to see who they're going to feud with next, or if it's going to turn into some kind of weird three-way match again, or some kind of, I don't know. Do you just have all of those tag teams and some sort of elimination tag team match, or like, how do you actually get out of this? Is more of the question. I guess we'll see on SmackDown, but. Um, they didn't really build any feuds out of this except for Otis versus uh, Otis versus uh, Dolph. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I don't know, but that is going to be a good payoff once it actually happens. Um, but I still think it's funny just a visual of Otis, you know, just like yeah, get up, Tucky. It's like you. I want to be like if I was Tucker, I'd be like you didn't, you barely did anything, and you want me a somersault. This is bullshit. But, man, that guy's athletic. Ah, All right, well, I think the next match, the next two matches were both good. I think the next one might have been my second favorite after the Daniel Bryan, um, uh, Drew Gulak match. But we had a no-DQ match with Aleister Black and AJ Styles. Um, And this this had a good buildup. We had that whole thing where basically AJ Styles made Aleister Black go through each member of uh, the OC before they can get to him. And by then, you know, it was, it was over with. Uh, so, but he kind of got screwed over, obviously, for his first loss on Monday Night Raw. So we had this thing. We know AJ Styles is feuding with The Undertaker. Love the fucking promo, by the way. We'll get to that later. Um, and this match is in place. And I thought they had a really good match at first. I'm glad that the OC didn't get involved. It was like they were there just in case. They were there for where they got involved, basically. If it was getting to the point like where AJ was that looked like he was going to lose for sure. But, I mean, they were beating the hell out of each other. You know, uh, there was several different weapon spots and, and, and people getting hit and shit like that. And finally when it looked like, uh, you know, Alistair was going to get the better of AJ, uh, the OC jumped in. Then we had the lights go out, lights go on, Undertaker's there choking both members, Aleister Black is out of the way, um, and then lights go off, lights go on, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, no, no, yeah, that's right, he chokeslam AJ Styles, and then lights go off, lights go on, while AJ's getting up, Black mass to the face, and we got the win back for Aleister Black. I gotta be honest with you, Chris. I did like this match a lot. I, I I kind of was going, I was liking that rumor that, that, that was going around, mostly because I thought it would make sense with with the Drew McIntyre, Shane McMahon match against The Undertaker and Roman Reigns as an example compared to the Goldberg Undertaker and just other stuff that Undertaker's done in the past, uh, even, even the hardcore match that he did, you know, where he was required to perform the whole entire time against DX with Kane. It seems like if you have a tag match, it helps out Undertaker. You do a handicap match, the OC against Black and Taker. Black gets a little bit of rub off of it. And I was so hoping that on Raw, 
that when Aleister Black was doing his promo, that Undertaker was going to walk into frame, like, you know, his feet, and that did not happen. But it's not that I got my hopes up. I just hope that they do something, and I feel like all they're going to do is Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins are not going to go against Aleister Black and and Kevin Owens, which will be fine. But um, I like this match. Um, I would like to see more with AJ Styles and Aleister Black. I feel like we just got a little dose of it. Uh, but it was it was a fun match, and I love the shenanigans with Undertaker. I just want to know, what does he do? Like, he has to go underneath the ring, but, like, was he there beforehand? How does he pee? Does he have his cell phone? Is he on, you know, Etsy or, or Pinterest or anything like that, like, checking out different things? Is he texting Michelle? <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering what happens with that. But uh, how would you like this match? I thought the match itself was very, very good between those two. And we kind of knew going in, there was going to be some kind of finish with the undertaker. I think we both predicted something a little different. Um, to me, it just seems like Alistair's just kind of done with this feud and they're just going to move him on to something else uh, after getting the win here. Uh, and they tried to book him like a badass, but also, you know, it's taker. So the match is taker versus AJ styles. Realistically. Uh, so maybe, they do something where it's Taker versus AJ Styles, and then somehow Alistair gets a match against both of the OC and gets a strong win at Mania. I guess that that would be my like a pre-show thing, or either that, or he's in the Battle Royal, and those guys are in the Battle Royal, and and they finish it off that way. But it, it's kind of a weird storyline because um, the focus definitely just become about it. it the focus is always going to become the Undertaker before Mania if the Undertaker's music hits. Uh, but they did their best to try to make Alistair look strong, and, and him and AJ had a pretty good match. I, I liked it. Um, I kind of liked your ag- idea of them doing a tag match just because Undertaker doesn't have to do as much exactly. uh, per se. But with AJ, I don't know, man. I think AJ might be able to pull off a Shawn Michaels and get like one last great match out of The Undertaker. As crazy as that sounds, I think if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's probably AJ as long as they don't do too much interference and all that weird, weird shit. But uh, I, I could see them having a really good match at Mania. I'm not going to put it past AJ and, and Taker to have one last good Taker match at, at Mania. Then maybe Taker might hang it up for good, for real. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just glad that we're not getting Taker versus Goldberg at Mania, which was oh. one thing that was heavily rumored. Um I don't trust Goldberg with the man, the myth, the legend, the Undertaker. Powers of darkness. My wife, Michelle. Um, yeah. Uh, Remember when his wife cool. was Sarah? <laughs> and he had that yeah. neck tattoo? Yeah. Yeah, that, Throwback. yeah the neck tattoo. <laughs> Anyways, we'll, we'll get to that promo, man. I, I got to say, like, AJ Styles, good shit, man. Anyways, uh, Rob tag team championships match. I feel like we've seen this a bunch. Same problem, but I thought it was a really good match, and I was, you know, happy that the Street Profits retained their titles that they just won from Seth and Murphy. Um, Whatever Raw go, you know, after the other pay-per-view that was like two weeks ago as well. But anyways, Viking Raiders showed up to counter uh, attempt the interference with the AOP. Kevin Owens entered through the crowd eating popcorn. I love this shit, by the way. I thought it was hilarious. He the, the whole entire time, he's eating popcorn, very casual, keeps on moving, very slowly, precise, doesn't give a fuck. And then he throws it in Rollins' face, allowing Dawkins to take out Rollins from behind. The Prophets put away Murphy with a spinebuster and a frog splash. After the match, 
Owens hit the stunner on Rollins and poured popcorn all over Murphy. Uh, I like the shenanigans with Kevin Owens. I know it's not really as – I know that for Seth Rollins and for, for Kevin Owens, it's not exactly where, where we want them, I would say, but – uh, at least Kevin Owens being Kevin Owens, they're going along with this. It was a good match, and I'm glad they didn't put the belts right back on Rollins and Murphy. That would have been stupid. Um, how do you feel? I agree with you. It, it came out kind of how I thought it would. They, they had to drop those belts because it's a singles match, not a tag match at Mania between Kevin and uh, and Seth. And uh, you know, I th- one thing I'll say about Kevin Owens is the popcorn thing. He didn't just do it normal, like oh, I threw popcorn and he got tackled. He threw popcorn and then started to talk shit to to Seth and then pointed (laughs) to the guy so that Seth could turn around just to immediately get speared, which I thought was kind of creative and a little bit of a different spot. Like, hey, I distracted you long enough, you idiot, Um, which was great. The only thing is, like, why popcorn? Like, I I don't know. Kevin Owens, I just, like, see him smashing two hot dogs or something uh, (laughs) as opposed to popcorn. (laughs) <laughs> like they they always do popcorn in these segments wouldn't it have been so much funnier if he had like two chili dogs or something like crazy like that um, you know, but throw I, the chili dog at someone and yeah chuck it throw the chili dog at, yeah yeah that would be way more hilarious <laughs> i mean i watched roman reigns get covered in dog food so like i think seth can take a little bit of chili dog i'm just saying <laughs> uh no i mean <laughs> Uh, all jokes aside, Kevin Owens is, I mean, he's doing the best with what they're giving him booking. And I think him and Seth, you know, they know the storyline's probably not the best. I think both those guys are very smart, even though, you know, Seth in the past has kind of, let's say, condemned the audience for their opinion of how he was booked over the past six months, um, while also making some remarks about the Saudi show, specifically about Goldberg. He's like, oh, the spear. Damn, why didn't I think of that? Um, basically <laughs> doing the opposite of what he was doing before. Uh, I think he's smart enough to know that some of the booking is not great around it, but him and Kevin Owens, you give them 15, 20 minutes, they're going to have a badass match. Two great former Ring of Honor performers. We know the level that both those guys can be in the ring. Uh, I'm looking forward to that part of this feud. And then hopefully uh, after that, the Monday Night Messiah will be done. And Seth can rebuild some other gimmick uh, outside of this little crew. Not that, like, I, I just, I don't get it, and I'm not a huge fan of what they've been doing with it. And I've given them multiple options to get around it, so obviously they don't listen to the uh, the podcast, Dane. Fucking idiots. Um, Yeah, I'm with you, though. All right, so we had the match that I was not a big fan of. I, I was a fan in one aspect, and that's that Sami Zayn got his first actual you know, uh, title on the main roster. But sadly, he took it from Braun Strowman, who also just now got his first singles title on the main roster. Um, this, this is just weird. I don't know where the fuck they're going with, with the title to Mania, but, yeah, we had a handicap match, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura going against Braun Strowman. Whoever pinned Braun would be uh, the IC champion if they were to pin Braun. Well, obviously, Sami was the one to do it, and it's like Cesaro and Shinsuke had no problem with it. They were, like, just so down for being Sammy's lackeys, basically. Uh, but he, I don't remember any detail in this match. I was barely paying attention. I think this was my, like, you know, 
get some food and, you know, whatever match, uh, the bathroom break match, if you will. And by the end of it, Strowman lost to Sami Zayn and he had the IC title. And I'm like, this is the shit that Big Show was talking about on Stone Cold's podcast about what he was worried about with Braun Strowman. Uh, and I'm sure he was shaking his head when he saw that shit. What the fuck do they do with Braun at this point, Chris? And how did you like this match? And are you happy that that Sammy has his first, uh, you know, main title? I don't even think he had a tag title beforehand on the main roster. I could be wrong about that. Just really weird this is Sammy's first title, and that's the way they decided to go with it, and then tout that it was his first title. Uh, whatever. I liked Kevin Owens praising it on Twitter and some other aspects of it. Uh, the match itself, it was just weird. It's a weird clusterfuck, right? Um, and the payoff is those that group turning against each other to make Sammy a babyface would be my guess. Like, because Sammy's probably the most natural babyface out of that group. It, I mean, I say that, but Nakamura is very charismatic, so he can kind of just be either, especially because he's going to be promoing in Japanese. So that's ah, weird, right? Like, maybe they could have done this with anyone else except for Braun, but the criticism's always going to be like, Braun should have probably won the heavyweight title against Brock a year and a half ago or whatever. And now it's here and he just lost to Sami Zayn and Sami's little crew. And I don't know how you rehab him from this. I mean, do you put him back with, do you have Goldberg retain at mania and then do Goldberg versus Bray again with Braun as an enforcer or something? Do you do a heel turn? Because I feel like you got to get him away from Sammy because I feel like that storyline is about that group breaking up at some point. Yeah, I would um, I would think they have to break up soon, but I don't know. It's it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, we keep on talking about like at WrestleMania. We don't have no idea what the fuck's going on. Should probably actually look up for an update, but. Um, Whatever happens uh, when they do have a match, I just I'm interested. I'm interested in that aspect. If someone's going to turn on him and, and shit like that, and I guess they could do that leading to Mania. But if they decide to do that afterwards, and there's still a unit going into Mania, you know what the fuck exactly are they going to do? Are they going to go against Braun again? Well, who's Braun going to go against? Is he just going to be in the Battle Royal? It's just I love Braun Strowman, but he really is. I mean. And God, I mean, here's the thing about the Big Show. He already had like a couple world heavyweight belts under his uh, under his belt, if you will, by that time period. Just strange, man. Guy's got charisma for days. Pretty good at a promo. Big as hell. Fast. You know, he's over. I, but, I feel, uh, like, feel like the fans wanna. have given up. On, I feel like the fans have given up on him, though. Like there, I I feel like the fans yeah. see him like Big Show as just a mid-card guy now, or the same way with Kane. I think as the kids you, like him more, but yeah, it's like the big show. As soon as you take that heat off someone, as soon as you take everything that was special away from them and just make them average or just one of the guys, like to me, the storyline is more about Sami Zayn and Cesaro and uh, Nakamura than it is about Braun. Like if they face Braun again after the outcome of that match, I would just assume that they win to continue that storyline of who's the real champion, so to speak. Like maybe they do the same exact match, but this time Nakamura wins it. 
Like that seems like what the storyline actually is. And that's not what fans are going to want of Braun, but also they've made Braun completely an average like performer and definitely just more in the mid card sense. And at this point, I don't know how you rehab him uh, other than maybe putting him, like I said, if you do something with like Goldberg retains and then Bray has a special enforcer and they give him some sort of like Tom Savini weird ass mask and it's Braun. And like, yeah, yeah, kind of go back to that. Like, I don't know what you're going to do with Braun to get him back to where he needs to be. Um, there's just not a real way to rehab him, in my opinion, especially coming out of this match. So that I, for those reasons, I wasn't a huge fan of this match. Now, if it turns out I get a super great three-way between Sami Zayn and Cesaro and and uh, Nakamura, and they give them like 20 minutes to have one of those old-school great Nakamura, Sami Zayn, Cesaro matches, and I don't really give a shit about Braun at that point, but that's uh, we'll see what happens. Like you said, we don't even know about Mania now. Get these paws. Oh. Anyways, all right, so the last match that we had was for uh, the Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, what, what the hell is it? Number one contender uh, for the Mania match against Becky Lynch. This, I, I got to admit, I mean, I liked what they did. I know a lot of people did not. Um, I am just really confused. On It seemed like Shayna was definitely going to go against Becky Lynch. That's what they already had you know, going into it. SmackDown is the one that I think could have used this in hindsight for trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with the women's belt going into WrestleMania on SmackDown with Bayley and Sasha and Naomi. Like, they have a lot of great Carmella, you know, um, people that could possibly get that title, but I don't know. It's, it's, it, it seems like a clusterfuck over there, and it seemed like a, a surefire way to win. You, they could have done this with Shayna, in a um, a gauntlet match that they love fucking doing. And she could have destroyed people, you know, being first in and just gone through, like, five people real quick to show dominance if they wanted to. But, hey, whatever. Um, instead, of they, they chose to do this. And what happened was we basically started off with uh, Liv Morgan and um, Sarah Logan from the, uh, formerly, I should say, of the Riot Squad. Ruby Riot came in. They all brawled, then Natalia came in, and then Shayna Baszler came in and just started decimating people. She eliminates Sarah Logan uh, with the Kinnapuda clutch, then quickly did the same thing, the riot. Baszler then repeatedly slammed a pod door into Natalia and choked her out as well. Baszler um, had to wait for the next pod to open, but was able to give uh, Liv Morgan the clutch while standing on ropes in front of Asuka. Basler then made Asuka pass out with the clutch to win the match. Basically, the only person that had offense was Asuka. They went back for a little while, and she was able to still pull it off and, you know, put her out. I like the way that Becky put it, though, is that, you know, just – she basically, on her promo on Monday Night Raw, said, I was able to take out her friend, you know, but she – was able to take out the person that I spent so long in my career trying to beat with Oscar within a short period of time. And so it gives a lot of levels of stake. You know, now going out of this, I do have more care about the Becky and Shayna match. And I thought that Shayna looked like a monster. She looked awesome. She was destroying people. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people did not like the way that they did this match. They thought it was ridiculous. But I know the people who are like me were the ones there saying Shayna's going to kill you because there were people chanting that. I just know that the majority probably 
were wondering when Oscar was going to finally beat her, and I knew that it wasn't going to happen. So I think Oscar's still huge where, at her level, and she could be champion any time. And I think it sucks that we didn't uh, – things didn't work out, I don't think, like a lot of us fans wanted. But, I mean, she's had the championship belt. She, she was undefeated until Charlotte at WrestleMania – you know, uh, longest streak NXT champion, you know, longest uh, time period. Or, no, no, most wins, I should say. Shayna, Shayna has the longest time period, but second to Shayna when it comes to that. Like, Asuka's got her credentials. I think that she's fine. I love her and Kari Zane doing their shit. I don't think Kari Zane or Asuka maybe would even last that much longer. If they get a chance to get the fuck out, I think especially Kari Zane's going back to do Shimmer. Uh, just like Io Shirai, they, you know, I, I, I don't see him sticking around. But for right now, even their Japanese promos where they're just like rambling and getting aggravated and working off each other, they're pretty fucking, they're, they're, they're funny. So I enjoy them, and I enjoyed this match. I, there was a spot though. I think it was Natalia got slammed into the pod. Like these ladies beat the shit out of each other, and I thought Liv Morgan was dead after she was ragdolled by Shayna. But hey, it, uh, it made for a good visual. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this match? I actually liked the match, and I liked the booking itself, because the storyline you're trying to tell is that Shane is this unstoppable monster. So having her, you know, get put in an, uh, a bad situation by Asuka and overcome it, who Becky just beat, does play into the storyline. So from that aspect, I liked it. As a uh, fan of Asuka, who I think is at this point bigger than both Becky and Shayna, as far as main roster goes, I hated it. And I could see people pointing to that and being like, well, you should have just had Oscar win. Um, Oscar's like one of the best promos and she doesn't even speak English and the shit they've been doing with Becky lately where they can't decide if she's Austin or if she's Conor McGregor or this last week, she came off as almost like the gypsy King. Um, I think that her stock has fallen a lot from what fans got behind and uh, I, I think maybe, I mean, at least I am kind of just tired of Becky as champ, which is probably not everyone. I'm not going to say everyone is, but uh, they can't I find am. really a, fo- a focus with her. And it to me, it's time to make her start back from the bottom and have to work her way back up to the top or something is my guess. Uh, instead of being this unbeatable person, Um it's weird to say because she was so over this time last year. And even then I wasn't a huge fan of the storyline going into it, but she was, I mean, you can't, I can't discredit what she was able to accomplish in that shorter period of time. And I guess in some aspects, thank Nia Jax for accidentally punching her in the face. Cause that got her even like over to the fucking moon. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's insane. I, I liked the booking. I thought the match itself was pretty good. That Natalie spot, like uh, Natalia spot, like you said, was pretty brutal. Um, but it's an elimination chamber match. You can point out like one thing that's always going to be like that in those, right? So um, overall, I like the match and I, I like the show. I, I wasn't as down on it as other people. It's a it's a mid level WWE pay per view, and I I thought they gave me a pretty good show overall. Um, and I'm looking forward to maybe Mania. I guess we'll see and how they, they come out of this with uh, Shayna because I still think Ronda as a special guest referee is is a real thing they could accomplish, especially because she's already on Fox and under a Fox contract for the 911 show that's coming up, which they'll be trying to promote. So I still think there's some legs there. Yep. 
All right. Well, let's move on to Raw, which uh, definitely kicked off with a lot of stuff coming out of Elimination Chamber. First, starting off with Becky Lynch. Uh, she opened the show, came out, kind of was alluding to this, uh, you know, basically running down the fact that, like, you know, she, that Shayna Baszler is underestimating Becky. And she's not underestimating her. Uh, she knows what she's going against. You know, like she said, she goes, the, the woman that uh, I just now was able to beat with Asuka, she was able to take care of her in a very short amount of time. Um, but if you go back, I took your friend out. I took, I took your training buddy. I took the person that was bigger than you within your industry uh, last year, and she was kind of cocky about that. And that she said that Baszler's going to pay for underestimating her at WrestleMania. But the promo was good. Um, you know, she's good at spitting stuff. Uh, do I really care if Becky wins? No, I, I mean, at this point, I kind of do at the same same level that you do. I want to see her chase. I would rather see her do that or, or feud with a, a big person like Asuka for a while and really have like a blood feud that without the title and then see her chase the title, build herself back up, I think would be very beneficial for her and find her identity, yeah. Instead of having these Austin aspects and Connor aspects and, and uh, you know, Gypsy King aspects, take a little from all and make that Becky. And I know that the man, that, that is that. But at the same time, I don't know, it, it seems inconsistent to an extent. And um, I'd like to see her kind of get back to her stride uh, where she was about, about a year ago, uh, really going into that mania. But, um, yeah, I, I still thought it was a decent promo and – you know, it's the only thing is, I didn't believe her. You know, if, if we go to a kayfabe sense, like I'm not believing Becky in all this. Like I think she is shaken. You know, if we go, like I said, in kayfabe, this this bitch came out and fucking bit a chunk out of your neck. I mean, she's fucking crazy. She just destroyed like very five people very very shortly. One of them being that person that held you back. You know, within your the the one little tally against you, if you will within your wins and losses. So um, when you're, when you're kind of like looking at it, I think they are trying to go for like somewhat of a UFC type of concept or of an MMA, you know, that's how they're approaching it. Oscar being that past person, blah, blah, blah. I like that, but yeah, from this, I want Shannon Baszler to choke the fuck, choke out Becky. Um, I don't care if there's some type of interaction where Ronda screws her over. If you want to do that at mania, but the, I just need the title off of her. We need she's she's getting a little stale. Um, what do you think, Chris? I mean, I think the promo is going forward. If they have enough time to build it, should be the fact that Becky kind of wanted a very suspect roll-up pin at Mania in a three-way match. So if the idea is that she's talking all this shit about Ronda and then Ronda's coming back to have a match shortly after Mania then maybe that's the story you tell. But if not, that should definitely be Shayna's promo is talking about the facts like you, you beat Ronda in quotations because even uh, like even people watching it at the time thought it was kind of a weird fuck finish, if you remember. So if WWE plays back to that um, and builds that into the storyline, I think that's how you could bring Ronda in as a special guest referee and uh, maybe have her call it right down the middle, almost like Ken Shamrock with, uh, you know, we like to draw comparisons to this, but uh, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin, because I think that's a, a good way to make things very interesting for that yeah. pay-per-view match. But uh, 
I, I agree with you. I feel like that she does need to be chasing the title a little bit. And um, also, just I'm not just a huge fan of this. They've driven it home too much. They tried to make it such a household thing with the man. And uh, the way that they've tried to get her over with the crowd feels very Roman Reigns to me. Like, it's mm-hmm. too forced to the point where it's, you know, they're doing the same thing with Seth right now, even as a heel with the Monday Night Messiah. Everything doesn't need a brand all of the time. Like, if she wants to say that she's the man in a promo, it doesn't have to happen week after week after week after week. You know, it, at some point it loses its luster. Like, Stone Cold was the ass kicker, but he didn't, you know, he didn't have to come out and say that he was the ass kicker every week. He just knew he was an ass kicker. And I think that's some of the things that, like, WWE, the subtle details, they look over because at some point they are this broad promotion machine that just has to continuously churn and have slogans and tags on everything and what's cool in pop culture and how do we work that into this and what can we do with this character. Um, And, you know, I praise them a little bit for going the more of the Connor McDavid route. But then they went the complete opposite because of what was hot in pop culture, which is like a sing-along with the Gypsy King after beating Deontay Wilder. So now I'm like worried that Shayna's going to show up with 40 pounds of gear on and then complain about she got tired before she ever got down the ramp or some shit. Oh, no. Um, Oh, no. uh, So, like, you know, just in general, I think the story can be told a lot different. I'm kind of over Becky, and, and and it's not really her fault. I think it's more of the machine itself, like I said. Um, I mean, look at Ricochet with the superhero shit. It's the same thing. Like, I'm fine with her saying that she's the man, or Becky Two Belts, and it's a one-off promo, and if you want to make shirts around it, it's cool. Like, did it, uh, yeah. How you, many how many would, times, Chris, did Austin actually say Austin three sixteen means I just whooped your ass? I'm pretty sure it was that first time, and then they made a bunch of t- t-shirts out of it. And he had all obviously his sayings, but you know it, it doesn't have to be repeated for that branding purposes of like people are going to buy the fucking shirts if they're going to buy the fucking shirts, you know? Yeah, I mean if they like if they like the that the she said she was the man then great. Like, that's fine. But driving it home constantly just comes off as like uh, the big dog thing. And especially the way they booked her and, and this no fear of Shayna Baszler and the, the, that whole raw segment where she just stole an ambulance and it's fucking just bad. And it's, they're trying to book Austin. They're trying to add all these other elements and it's like they never fucking watched their own product in a lot of ways that it it's upsetting. Um, and I think that's why people get so mad when they see someone like Oscar get beat because to them, like Oscar is like a holy grail and like a great female wrestler who had this cool storyline coming out of NXT and outside of just being booked poorly and losing in different ways, she's kind of stayed pure to who she is as a character, like this badass ass kicker. Um, and then you look at Becky and she's completely 360 from what she was headed into Mania last year, what people liked. And uh, it makes it hard for people to care about this match. I think people are going to be more into the uh, Charlotte match, honestly, just because they're going to be more behind uh, Rhea Ripley headed out of NXT. At least, at least your major internet crowd. Those internet fools. They don't know what they're talking about. All right, next match. Very, uh, like, this is kind of like the one from the night before involving these four guys. I mean, I feel like we've seen this match. It's just now you're putting Rey Mysterio in against Angel Garza. 
you would think that the the newer guy might get the 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 win. Uh, nope, Mysterio won after a six one nine and a Springbird elbow drop. Uh, there's money in Angel Garza. I'll just say that, man. I think Andrade is incredible as well, but when it comes down to it, you know, like a, like a, I could see them doing a four way or a three way even uh, for the this belt, the U.S. belt at Mania, but. They just like they. This is this is not as bad as the ending of this fucking raw, but they've literally done this a million times. They could have done a different pairing. Hey, you know who hasn't had a match with Rey Mysterio in a very long time? Ricochet. Why don't we just do that just to fucking spice it up a little bit? Anyways, whatever. How'd you like this match, Chris? Kind of the same feelings as you. I thought it was fine, but it it was just kind of a a spot that was there for me on the show. If I'm being completely honest. So I like this mafioso shit that Seth Rollins, Murphy, and AOP did, where they showed up when Kevin Owens is there, and hey, Seth Rollins is eating popcorn. Uh, so if you didn't watch a pay per view the night before that, which I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did, they're probably like, who? Why the fuck does Seth Rollins have popcorn? But they beat the shit out of him kind of alluding to the fact that Kevin Owens would be out uh, from the thing. And they've done similar things in past Raws as of recently and shown the exact opposite. Uh, Charlotte Flair cut a promo on Rhea Ripley, saying Ripley will never be like her. I like this because they're like, that has been. If you watch Rhea Ripley, even in her uh, Mae Young, back when she had a different look, uh, she said that she was always compared to Charlotte, and she took it as, you know, an honor, but she also... That was, a, that was a very heavy concept to have that comparison, you know, being an athletic female with blonde hair and stuff like that. So, you know, Charlotte just cut her down and said, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about being me because you'll never be me. And uh, I love the queen, man. She, she had her dominance. Uh, and Ripley came out, interrupted her, and then just punched her in the face. And Charlotte smiled afterwards and couldn't believe it. But I think Charlotte should have lunged at her. They should have had some type of something afterwards. But I thought this was good. How did you feel about, um, you know, the the religious cult taking out Kevin Owens and then uh, Miss Charlotte Flair cutting a promo and Rhea Ripley punching her in the face? Well, I mean, I just automatically assumed that Kevin Owens would play into the show later, um, but I liked it. I mean, it, it shows that they're aware of Kevin Owens, and, and you got to continue to get a little bit of heat on Seth Rollins. So that part I had no problem with. I did like the callback to the popcorn from the night before, like you said. Uh, the Charlotte Rhea stuff, um, I thought it was pretty good. I, I liked the back and forth. I, I liked uh, the Charlotte line you threw out there where it's like, don't worry about it. You'll never be me, um, which in a lot of ways is probably true. Was she like a eight-time champ or something already? Um, Charlotte, to me, has become more of like a Randy Orton character. And I think if you look at Randy Orton as someone you could build Charlotte as, that's probably a good basis for what she's kind of become as almost the OG champion at this point, especially with Sasha being injured and being away for so long. I think that's something you could build around with just making her absolutely fucking ruthless. So her laughing at getting hit, kind of didn't bother me as much because I don't know what the future plans are, but if you look at what they're doing with uh, e- even the way that Charlotte kind of has started working in the ring has been a little more methodical and in slower pace to some extent. Um, some of that's the opponent she gets, et cetera, but um, I think there's some cool stuff you could do with the, with that version of Charlotte of just having her be 
so far removed from Ric Flair that it's almost like the evolution brethren uh, of Randy Orton because I feel like that she could pull that off. Uh, and as everyone knows, I'm not a huge fan of Orton, but when he really turns on that disturbed person trying to murder people like he has with Edge as of late, he's, he can be great. So I think he could kind of do something similar with Charlotte, which I don't know that we've seen um, from the female division in WWE. I would love that. Charlotte goes a little bit crazy. It's a little bit over the edge. That'd be uh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, we had a squash match with Zack Ryder where Bobby Lashley came out and destroyed him. Where the fuck is Lana? We had that whole entire thing I thought was going to elevate Bobby since he got like three wins over Rusev. And now Lana's gone and now he's fighting fucking Zack Ryder. Weird. Anyways, this was the uh, the other thing that just <laughs> that um, happened after that um, was what I was alluding to with Seth Rollins, Aleister Black, he's doing a promo, he's on the ground, he's talking about his next fight, now he beat, um, you know, AJ, and while that's happening, someone knocks on the door, and then you see someone come into frame, he gets up immediately, and it's Mr. Seth Rollins, and he basically asks Aleister Black to join uh, his group, his little faction, that, that Buddy Murphy said that he'd be a perfect person to join, so... You know, like I said, I was a bit let down. I really, for a second, I was like, holy fuck, that's going to be The Undertaker, and this is going to go into AJ later on when he comes out. Because there was also reports, I believe, 100% that Undertaker was at Monday Night Raw, but maybe that was a bunch of bullshit. But either way, that didn't happen. Um, Seth asked him to join. He refused, and said, since he knocked on the door, that means he challenged him to a match, and we're going to have that later on tonight. And they bait and switched us because they're motherfuckers. <sighs> Anyways, um, how'd you feel about the Bobby Lashley squash match? Where the fuck's Lana? And then Seth Rollins asking Aleister Black to join the, uh, the whatever the hell they're called, um, Stray Edge Society. Is that it? Is that the name of it? <laughs> Uh, I hated the bait and switch, like you said. I uh, the Lana thing. I'm just assuming is Rusev's not re-signing that contract, so they're just going to keep Lana off TV. That's my guess. It's punishment for Rusev not re-signing, which absolutely kind of doesn't make any sense because they're still going to have to pay Lana regardless. Uh, but that's my guess is that Rusev <laughs> Rusev was like, "Fuck that! I'm not re-signing that contract." Um, just because why would he in the way that they booked him? I mean, he's kind of went out doing everything they've asked him for, but they never gave him a strong victory against Bobby or any reason for him to stay. So uh, that's my guess. It, it, I, this falls under the scenario of uh, uh, what, what, what was uh, Mike Bennett and his wife, Maria Canellis. This falls under that for Lana, more than likely. It's just bad luck. And she probably shouldn't have – well, actually, you know, if she doesn't want to wrestle anymore, signing that contract's probably not a bad idea. But they're, they're going to shelter if Rusev leaves just to be petty more than likely. Uh, what are you going to do, you know? All right, so Drew McIntyre went against Eric Rowan. All right, so fuck the match. I mean, Drew McIntyre won. After all this, the poor animatronic spider that was living in that cage got destroyed – by Drew McIntyre, who put no, 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 no excuses. Uh, just, just 
he didn't care about this thing. He fucking destroyed the spider inside the cage and smashed it. <laughs> then came in one, two, three, Claymore kick. Eric Rowan is done. His spider is done. And that was the storyline. That's what WWE gave us. They gave us a fucking box with this poor red haired bastard, this Viking looking motherfucker. And then it was an amatrot spider, scared no way Jose that we had no idea was still employed until he does segments like that. And then the next time gets fucking killed by the biggest baby face. And PETA is not supposed to be mad about that. Bullshit, I say. What'd you think, Chris? <laughs> I like your exact uh, your exact recap is was my feelings exactly. I was like, oh well, I guess that's over now. But you know what? Everyone hated the dumb spider thing, anyways. So it's almost like if you got to see the gobbledygooker get murdered. So at least there's that, right? I think people will look back at this fondly, especially if Drew McIntyre goes on to be a big star. They'll be like, remember that time he killed off Rowan's dumbass gimmick? That was awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? This could be – like if that's how Paul Heyman was thinking about it, then I'm completely fine with it because no one looked at the spider thing fondly anyways. So like if Drew destroys it and then goes on to beat Brock at Mania, like no one's going to care. In fact, it will just get put – and a highlight reel with, you know, maybe like disturbed behind it on YouTube or something when people are like the year of Drew McIntyre. And then it's like, get down with the sickness or some shit. Cause you know, I love videos on YouTube. It's pretty much always <laughs> some sort of disturbed well, song. Tell you, it should have been a snake. They should have. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Um, all right. So women's tag team championship match, Kabuki Warriors. The first time that they defended this, and I think they said like eight months or something like that. I forgot what the statistic was. I was like, oh, my God. Anyways, I don't know who they're going to go against at Mania, but they're definitely not going against Liv Morgan and Natalia because all it took was Ruby Riot coming out, distracting Liv Morgan. Natalia uh, had the sharpshooter on Kari Sane, but Asuka made a blind tag and finished Natalia off with a kick to the head. Uh, beforehand, they were shouting out, like I said, you know, some promo in Japanese, and it was pretty damn ridiculously entertaining. Let's get to the AJ Styles, because you, you can comment on both of these, Chris. AJ Styles challenged Undertaker finally to a match at WrestleMania, uh, calling Undertaker by his real name, Mark Calloway, whoo, uh, and then saying Taker's wife, Michelle McCool, is running him into the ground, that the only reason he keeps on coming back is to basically provide for her shopping um, and Styles says that he'll take the Undertaker's soul at WrestleMania and literally put a nail in the coffin of his career. I thought this is one of the best AJ promos. Um, this is something, though, I really, if you kind of had the bouncing of him with the other two members of the OC verbally, it, it probably would have added to it, but whatever, that's a minor nitpick. But that was an awesome promo. Very weird after all the bullshit that happened with Michelle. You know, her getting pissed off about not being included in that video, and then Undertaker being like disrespectful or whatever, and then they added it to her, uh, added her to it, um, and updated it for Women's Month or whatever it is. Um, I'm, I'm making myself look really stupid right now. Anyways, uh, how did you like this promo? All right, so just as a promo and you take away the fact the Undertaker is the Undertaker, I had no problem with the comments, but the fact the undertaker is the undertaker. I don't think that like his wife being mentioned is like, it's like a shoot on the undertaker and he's supposed to be this mythical fucking being. So from that aspect, I didn't like it. If it was probably anyone else, I I thought it was a great promo. Um, so overall I thought it was pretty good, but like just bringing Michelle's name up in general is just kind of, 
unless I'm getting the American badass version of Taker, like I don't want to hear it. That's what I'm I wondering. Want Taker, I want Taker to be that mythical being more so than uh, you know American badass. I'd be cool with American badass Taker, but that's not what they've shown us thus far. He's disappearing and choke slamming motherfuckers. Um, and randomly showing up and destroying the rest of the OC in Saudi Arabia. Like, um, that's not the Undertaker that really would care about a wife. Let's just say, say that. <laughs> He's known as the dead man. Um, so from, you know, if, if you take that away from it, just as a promo itself, I thought it was pretty good. But it's also kind of weird if you're looking at the Undertaker as the demonic dead man who destroyed everyone at Mania for so long. The Grave Reaper with the powers of darkness. Um, yeah, I, I I can definitely see that that point. And uh, if people have a problem with that based on that, that makes a lot of sense. We'll find out a lot more information because next week's show will feature the contract signing for AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. Uh, that should be fun. My favorite part of the night, MVP announced that he wanted to create a stable. By the way, outside of all this, whenever he gets back from his terrible traumatic injury – I would love MVP to create a stable. And I think that if you put – I know that there is a couple guys that are really good friends with each other. Um, well, it's Moose, but it's also Apollo Crews. They all used to be in a unit in the indies. Apollo Crews, Kiritazawa, uh, Ricochet, and uh, Cedric Alexander, they were all extremely close. If you could take a couple of those guys and elevate them, I think MVP would be a, a great person to have his own stable as far as being a manager. Either way, he said that Edge was at the top of his list uh, to put within his stable. And as that happens, Edge gets to the arena. We saw Randy Orton earlier in the night lurking in the background, doing absolutely nothing, not commenting for for any type of interview. Edge is possessed, man. I have to say, I know that he's acted in Vikings. I know he's acted on The Flash and a couple other stuff. He's always had some of the best facial expressions in wrestling. And when I say facial expression, is just showing so much story with just eyes. People like Piper and Savage and, and Flair, uh, they just had that ability to say so much with so little just by facial expressions. I think Kenny Omega, sometimes that hinders, hinders him and sometimes it actually elevates him depending on the situation when he uses it. But Edge is one of the best. Uh, and he gets to the ring uh, you know, MVP's trying to have a conversation with him. He's ignoring him. He's saying, Randy, get your ass down here now. And, you know, MVP's like, man, you need to cool it and you're not going to win the title. And he just pushes MVP to the side. Uh, and MVP says that, you know, he's embarrassing him and he pisses him off. So Edge spears him. Orton tried to attack Edge, but Edge fought him off and hit him with his own RKO. Uh, which is pretty weird to see. And Edge slid chairs into the ring to give the concerto to Orton, but Orton escaped. Edge was uh, attacked by MVP, but quickly locked him into a submission and just held it and choked him out while he was staring creepily at at, at uh, Randy Orton. Edge then hit a concerto on MVP, MVP twice and chased Orton out of the arena. Awesome shit, man. Love this thing. How'd you feel about it, Chris? I liked it a lot. RKO was a little weak. You know, but once again, Edge doesn't hit RKOs, and he's not been back in wrestling for that long. Um, they they went for it. Randy went for it really hard. <laughs> I'll say that. But uh, you know, overall, I love the segment itself. And MVP is kind of a guy that they could utilize almost in the Tice or what was it? Uh, what was this the guy that fell down? He's a really nice guy. 
got suspended Titus for O'Neil. patting uh, Titus O'Neil. There you go. If they're going to do something like that with him, I think this time you could kind of turn it up to 10 because, uh, you know, MVP has been great in these segments they've put him in, and I didn't think the matches he's had were that bad either. So it's been great just to see him back, and I liked I liked him being like, I'm going to revitalize your career, Edge, now that you're back. It was I, I love this segment, and I love everything they've done to build this matchup thus far because it all makes logical like booking sense. I think they kept Edge off TV for a little too long. But outside of that, man, this has been this was great and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, some of the best television. Like I said, man, Edge, when it comes to acting, kudos to him. Like, Randy's great, but Edge just, I mean, my God, so convincing. Just good shit. After this was a huge letdown um, because Aleister Black was supposed to go against Seth Rollins and Murphy got involved and then AOP got involved and then there was a DQ and a schmosh finish. And then the Viking Raiders came out, and then the Street Profits came out. And then it led to an eight-man tag team match. And I have no idea during the duration of this of what the fuck happened to Aleister Black. Like, I kind of thought going into this, what they were going to do is, like, instead of Samoa Joe and KO against Murphy and, and Seth Rollins, they might try to put Aleister along with KO to go against them. But now I have no idea what's going on because he was gone, and they went back to the same fucking match, and Seth Rollins, Murphy, and AOP defeated the bad guys this time. They just flipped it. So KO came out, and he got his ass kicked. Everyone got their comeuppance. I know this is a very similar way that they, they kind of did AEW this week, or, or maybe it was last week, but the only difference is they don't do that with the same fucking people every time, just switching it, and I thought it was crap. So, And I wanted it an awesome match with Tyler Black and Aleister Black, but I didn't get that. Uh, what, what are you going to do? How would you like it, Chris? Uh, I kind of feel the same way as you on this one, man. Uh, we're we're starting to run against it here. Do you want to try to speed through the rest of these? Oh, that's that's it. That was it. That's how they decided to end the show. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. That's Sorry, it. I didn't have a hot hot take on that one. I for, I thought there was one more segment afterwards. I guess I mixing up things. Well, they just guys. turned. What would have been an awesome singles match into a eight man tag match and then Kevin Which Owens came out to the ring and Yeah, Rollins hit him with the stomp and he hit him twice with it and followed by a third. And no. heels Okay, so forward. I will say this. Uh Buddy Murphy took one of the best stunners I've ever seen. Didn't he do yes. a complete moonsault off the fucking stunner? Which I did I've seen people man. do the flip. But he did like a shooting star press after getting stunned, which is a little bit of oversell, but I absolutely loved it. So now that I'm in full memory of this, I, I like this a lot just because of that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Burphy's now up there, I would say, with um, Scott Hall and The Rock for favorite people to take the stunner, uh, and not in the least when it comes to Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff. Um, my, anyways, my, mine is still mine is still Sergeant Slaughter. Number one with a bullet because he tries to do the back bump but always fucks it up and falls over all awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to go over SmackDown and we'll go over the Wednesday Night Wars, AW, Dynamite, and NXT. Uh, stuff that happened last night on Saturday morning, uh, noon, uh, EST. And uh, yeah, a great show. Really fun to talk about some wrestling. We don't have a lot of time. 
so I'm just going to, you know, say goodbye to everyone on behalf of me and Chris. Thank you guys for listening. And honestly, listen to us. We'll be here every week. We'll get as much as of, of your mind off the stuff uh, at hand, um, you know, and just try to, like, just talk about stuff that we love, be good to people. And uh, that's all I really got. Chris, you got a, a quick goodbye. I know that you don't have a hockey show coming up, unfortunately. Yeah, no, we're still doing the hockey show. We're just going to talk about retro rivalries and in oh. uh, fights and top tens and stuff. So you can uh, check that out at, at Skates to Throats, and you can always, as always, hit me up on Twitter at, at Chris R. Patton. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, like Dane said, I, and I totally agree with be kind to one another. Absolutely. Uh, check me out, Dane Alves, at Facebook. You guys have a great night. Let the Geek Fives be with you, and peace out. Have a good one, guys.